You're tuned in to the Nonprofit Chatter, brought to you by Nonprofit Pro with our friends at Pursuant. New T and Taylor Shanklin are getting real and sitting down with nonprofit leaders to chatter about issues affecting nonprofits today. Be sure to subscribe to us in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss these conversations with your nonprofit peers. And check us out on the web at nonprofitpro.com slash podcast slash nonprofit hyphen chatter. Welcome to the Nonprofit Chatter Podcast, hosted by me, New T, Editor-in-Chief of Nonprofit Pro. And me, Taylor Shanklin, VP of Marketing at Pursuant. The Nonprofit Chatter will give you an insider's look on the most pressing challenges facing nonprofit leaders and fundraisers today. And we'll talk about how nonprofits can overcome those challenges. In each episode, we'll engage in invigorating conversation with industry leaders and find out what tools and tactics nonprofits need in their repertoire to help their vision become a reality. So in episode number 13 of the Nonprofit Chatter, we're going to talk about impact reporting. And in this episode, we'll be joined by Luis Ramirez, Senior Manager of Individual Giving at Rebuilding Together, and Ryan Carpenter, Director of Market Solutions at Pursuant. Hey, Luis and Ryan, thanks so much for joining us here today on the Nonprofit Chatter. I'm really looking forward to this conversation about the significance of impact reporting. How, how are both of you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for asking. Yeah, thanks for having me today. Awesome. Well, Louise, it's funny. We made a connection that you and I had actually just recently crossed paths uh, just a few weeks ago in D.C. when we were, uh, met up at the AFP D.C. Uh, monthly luncheon. And so before we get started, Louise, can you just tell us a little bit more about Rebuilding Together, what you guys do, your mission? Yeah, sure. I'm happy to. Um, so uh, Rebuilding Together is a national nonprofit organization, and we are working to keep our neighbors safe and healthy in their own in their own homes. So what that really means is that we are providing critical repairs to some of our most vulnerable neighbor populations. Uh, so low income families, uh, veterans and seniors um, and doing uh, all sorts of repairs so that they can remain safely and age in place in their own homes. So things as simple as adding grab bars so somebody can easily go in and out of their own bathtub without falling uh, to working with um, veterans returning from service who now have an injury who may need something like a wheelchair ramp to get into their own homes um, or even working with families uh, who have children who can't afford to make repairs um, things like a leaking roof that can turn into a huge problem um, and and all sorts of things across that kind of scope um, but we are an affiliated organization so I'm at the national office but we have about 130 affiliates across the country uh, doing a lot of work year-round to make sure that people have a safe place to call home very cool awesome well thanks for that background so Let's just get right into it, all right? Impact reporting. This has been on my mind. It's been on news mind. That's why we brought both of you here to talk with us about us today. And it's really becoming more of a standard for nonprofits and an expectation from potential donors. I know sometimes we like to talk about how the expectation of donors is different these days. So, Louise, let's start with you. What has changed in the realm of impact reporting, and why do you think donors are more interested in the impact of their dollars and, and knowing more about it these days? Uh, yeah, that's that's a great question. And honestly, I, I feel like a lot of the issues that come into fundraising nowadays really focus back on donor retention. Um, I think a lot of us in the industry are now becoming more aware that one of the biggest problems facing, at least in the individual side, um, is making sure your donors come back, that they feel appreciated and come back. And so while it may not seem you know, like something intuitive if someone donates $50 to make sure that they understand where that $50 is going 
if you can kind of relate it to more of the corporate or foundation model, I mean, if a corporate um, donor gives you a gift of $500,000, could you imagine not reporting back out to them? And even though those seems, seem a little more systematic, it's really important for individual donors as well um, to really know where their money is going. And there's a lot of great resources on the internet if you just Google donor retention. Um, and one of the biggest issues that donors have and why they don't come back is because they don't know where their money is going. I think a lot of us can probably think of a few organizations where we just get solicitation email after solicitation email uh, asking for our money um, and rarely sending in for any information about where the dollars are going. Um, so at least for me and my view of impact, it's really a way to connect the donor directly to the mission of work, what we're doing, and really, you know, building this culture of philanthropy, whereas, you know, what you're doing is actually having an impact. It's changing lives, it's improving numbers, um, and, and really making the work possible for the nonprofit. So being able to look at it from a frame of like, we want to keep our donors, we need to continue to feed them information about where their support is going. Um, I, I think that's one of the biggest rises on why now impacts is so important. Uh, and relaying that to the donor is is now a must uh, in our space. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that donor retention, and we talk about it as donor loyalty, and giving them the information about where it's going is bringing them value, and it makes them more interested in giving again. So, Ryan, you've worked at organizations and, and been boots on the ground fundraising. What's your take on impact reporting? Well, I certainly agree with uh, both Luis and yourself as far as creating stronger donor loyalty. Uh, I mean, we have, and a number of publications have stated this over the last couple of years, a shrinking donor pool, and oddly enough, year over year, more nonprofits. So there's more competition for you to keep your donors. And I think over the last few years, maybe five, 10 years, what we're seeing is a more sophisticated donor. And being more sophisticated, they want to know more about the organization. What, is, what are their dollars going towards? And also, I feel like the trust has lessened in the industry um, only because some quote unquote scandals have been uh, publicized through media over the last few years, whether it was instances of domestic, uh, international relief uh, and all the causes that were accepting donations or other domestic um, uh, services that you know really put donors in a position of wanting to make sure that their money is going towards a legitimate organization that's going to help uh, the people and do the programs they say they're going to do. Yeah, I think that's a really good point about trust, right? It's all about building authentic relationships with your donors that are based on trust. And so the value of an impact report is communicating and building that trust. So, all right, let's get into measurement, right? Louise, do you have any tips for measuring impact? Can you share maybe some metrics that you've seen? that resonated well with your audience? Yeah, sure. Um, and, and I think this is, it's an interesting point to make to, to think about impact in a couple different ways. Um, you can think of impact as really, you know, analytical where you have numbers and, you know, you have surveys about how many people you've helped and the impact that way. Um, but impact to me is also looking at the individual who's being helped. Um, so when I approach impact, I try to do it both ways. So I will usually, when I'm communicating with a donor and getting a piece ready to go, I try to tie in that personal story first uh, to say, oh, Mrs. Johnson down the street had her roof collapsing in and there was a leak that was leading to mold and then pests started getting into the home and X, Y, and Z and really talking about how that person's life has been changed and then kind of switching the gears to say, okay, this is just one person, but now 
this this is really our entire network. So if you want to take this one example and multiply it by you know whatever community is by a hundred by a thousand, this is this is the impact that we're having within the community. Um, at Rebuilding Together, because we are an affiliated network, um, we do you know annual surveys of our affiliates to really get a sense of how much work is being done. So we have a lot of those really big numbers that are really great. So you know with our 130 affiliates. Um, in 2018, uh, we completed about 8,600 rebuild projects. So that equals about 8,300 homes uh, and then 260 community facilities. Um, but when you're talking about homes and community facilities, especially community facilities, you know, 260 may seem like a good chunk um, of people, but when you kind of really relay it out as a community facility can be a school, it can be a park, it can be a playground, uh, a bus stop. And if you can really take that number and shift it into actually how many people are utilizing that space throughout the year, the numbers get much, much bigger. Um, so if you kind of take it as an approach where you talk about an individual first and then relay it to the bigger picture, that's where I've found success. And I think particularly in the, in the individual space, people really get connected to the impact of one person first. And then if you can you know, blow it up from there uh, and really make someone realize, oh, there's this stuff going on around the entire country, I think it speaks volumes uh, to the impact that someone has. Yeah, I like that example of taking the one person and then talking about how it impacts maybe like a larger a facility at large and how many people are impacted by that. That's, that's really good. Ryan, you're uh, really into analytics and data. What have you seen work really well when communicating and measuring impact? Sure, um, and, and I wanna echo what Luis just said. It's really about blending qualitative with the quantitative. So yes, I do love analytics and data, but I also like a good story and I feel like people in general do as well. And you know, one of the easiest ways for me to uh, promote impact is really uh, addressing the need overall. So say for instance, you're a food bank in a major city, how many people are hungry uh, in that community? And also what are your efforts well, how are you helping to solve that need of hunger? And then where's the gap? Because there's still work to be done. So you're showing the, the, the problem, the good work you're doing, and still the long road ahead and the, the you know, additional steps you need to make to help everybody in solve this problem. I think uh, a couple other good ways of doing it, you could you know, highlight your program work. As an organization, do you have one program that you do and you do it really well? Do you have 10? You should really talk about them because that's really grounding people in the work you do. So there's this mission, but like, how do you guys serve that mission? Well, you have these programs. Can you talk about how many people you helped and served over the course of the year? And that in turn is thanks to the great donors that are supporting the mission. Um, another way to think about it is campaign performance. Do you have these big pillar campaigns throughout the year? Something is, um, you know, uh, a day towards volunteerism and uh, or uh, another of like a giving Tuesday some real big pillars that you can say look on this day this event we raised X amount of dollars that in turn translates to X amount of you know people uh, help throughout that cause so it's really painting the picture of how those people those donors dollars go into and activate yeah, definitely. I mean, people connect with stories and they connect with people. And so relating to an individual to a story that is relatable uh, is important in, in starting the conversation about the impact, right? I think both of you guys made that point. I like that. 
All right, so to wrap it up, I've got one final question for each of you. So impact reports, let's just say they have a broad audience, right? They're beneficial for individual donors to, to receive and to understand, board members, grantors. There's a lot of different people that could potentially be reading these impact reports that an organization puts out. If you could do like one or two things that is a best practice in terms of your impact report, what would that be? And Luis, let's start with you. Sure. Um, so I am really, you know, whenever I get some really great news here at the national office about some work that we're doing, um, whether it's a new affiliate that's opened or an affiliate that's doing really great work or when the results of our survey come back, um, my first thought is always, how can I communicate this out to the donors? Of course, you know, I start thinking first, you know, who are the really big stakeholders, you know, major donors, corporate partners, board members, things like that who would be interested. But how can I also take this information and craft it in a way that I can send it out to the larger audience, um, our email list, our mailing list, because it's really important information. And chances are, if I find it really exciting, someone else will find it very exciting. Um, so for an example, this year, um, our, internal report of our affiliate network came out about in the middle of summer um, where it had all sorts of information down to the nitty-gritty uh, you know financial uh, reports of the affiliates the work that they're doing things like that um, so it's a really hefty document which you know larger donors I think will probably be interested in our board members and things like that but um, what I was able to do is take really an executive summary of that really highlight some of our key metrics about how many donors you know are I'm sorry how many uh, homeowners were you know supported this year or last year with our affiliates um, and how many community centers and things like that and crafted into a simple one pager with a cover letter that I sent out to a lot of our donors um, who were giving you know 25 100 500 um, I think it's important to really focus on donors at all different levels um, I think you know of, of course people are always worried about how much time they have and how much they can devote to a certain project or a mailing or things like that um, so sometimes people are often forgotten in those lower level gifts but you know if you look at a holistic approach you know major gifts where do your best prospects come from and it could be the person giving $25 now but stewarding them along the way uh, and really reporting back to their impacts can help drive them you know up the pipeline and hopefully to a larger gift um, but being able to take one piece of information and craft it in a way that you can use it for multiple audiences I think it saves time um, it's important um, and I think donors um, and community members really respond well. And I've gotten positive feedback. Um, people have reached and said, you know, this is really great. This is awesome. Thank you so much. Um, so that's that's my one tidbit of advice. Awesome. And Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I kind of echoing again, Luis, um, you know, we're, we're very simpatico here. <laughs> I don't even know if I needed to be on the call. Uh, but I think making it available in different areas um, so that's different channels. That's obviously looking at different donor groups. Have it on your website, post it on social, email, identify people to mail it to, um, either in a mass mailing or you know that personal outreach. And I think also the content within the impact report, it needs to be a little diverse. So yes, um, high value donors that you know invest significantly are gonna want some of those uh, important data points. But can you present things through infographs or in large charts, really digestible uh, sound bites that you know really speak to the uh, the message, the overall message that you're trying to promote? And you know that way people learn and retain things differently. 
trying to serve that vast group of people uh, with the various ways of kind of presenting your, your message of impact uh, could be helpful. You know, and again, we do have very similar viewpoints, <laughs> um, which is great. I love making new friends. Um, Y'all should go get some coffee after this, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, one of the things I can't really stress enough is if you're doing a big campaign um, with your organization, uh, whether it's a year-end campaign or some kind of special campaign focusing on one area of support, um, I'll give an example, you know, Rebuilding Together does some work in disaster relief. Um, so if we are fundraising around that, I want to make sure that six months, 12 months down the road that we are also going back to those donors and even sometimes not even the donors, but our larger audience to really show what we're doing. I have, you know, gotten emails before and supported friends through their campaigns um, that, you know, they're buying a new van for their, their delivery fleet or a new building or, you know, X, Y, and Z, and you donate and then you don't hear anything about the project until maybe it's completed. But if the project doesn't complete for another two years, that's a long time to not really report back on what you're doing. Um, so that's something else I try to keep in mind in developing a, camp a solicitation campaign is also looking forward and saying, okay, what would be a good touch point? What would be a good way to report back to the donors how this one particular instance of generosity has really impacted um, the work that we're doing now? And even if a project isn't completed, um, I think it's really important to kind of say where it is and where it's at. Um, and again, it goes back to really building these relationships. And you never know, a donor may be interested in just this very small portion of your organization's work, but if you can foster them a little bit more, they might be interested in other areas and start giving more uh, and things like that. But I really, really want to stress that people remember to follow up uh, on the progress of a certain campaign or projects with their donors. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you made. People want little bite-sized nuggets of information and follow-up and knowing that their gift wasn't forgotten about, right? So like having a little halfway, you know, um, touch point and hey, here's how it's going is a really good idea. And I wanna echo something that Ryan said too. I thought it was really good and relevant that you talked about the different types of channels to bring your import, uh, your impact report into. And I, like, I'm a big believer in this whole pillar content, micro content strategy when it comes to how do I take a big report like an impact report where a lot of effort goes into it and break it into little bite-sized chunks. So if you've got this big body of work that you put together, there's so many different ways that you can break it up into these small little pieces of information that can really help you get a lot more leverage out of it, out of the whole year when you're looking at your communications calendar and plan when you're thinking about how to communicate regular updates with your donors. So I like that you said that, Ryan. All right, well, hey, this has been really good, new. I wanna pass it back over to you for your thoughts. You've been sitting here and listening. Let us know what you, uh, any anything that you picked up on today from these two men. Yeah, I mean, today's topic of conversation is something that is very important to me and for Nonprofit Pro and something we've been talking about for a little while now. Impact is becoming a standard for nonprofits and you know, like we said earlier today, it's becoming an expectation from donors. Um, so Lois, I really like what you said in the beginning of this podcast. You said impact reporting is a must in our space. And I couldn't agree with that more because donors, especially 
the younger generations want to know more about the organization, what it does, and how their dollars can make a difference. Um, it's going to be really hard to get those dollars if you're not giving them that kind of information. And that goes into what Ryan said about, you know, the nonprofit space. Nonprofits are getting bigger in size and then the, do the donor pool is becoming smaller, which makes it easy for a donor if they feel like they're not being engaged or being appreciated or being and not being honest with it's easy for them to go to the next organization who has the same exact mission as you um, but they're doing a better job at building relationships with them and the other thing that i thought was really great is louise what you said about impact as a personal story versus having just numbers i think it shows how much an, individu an individual story can impact giving. Um, there's been studies that have been done about how people would rather help one person with their $100 versus a million people with their $100 because they don't feel like they're gonna make an impact on somebody's life by doing it like that. So, um, you know, the really great stuff today. I really love the conversation. So that about wraps it up for today's episode. I want to thank you for listening in on today's podcast. Luis and Ryan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us today on the Nonprofit Chatter and sharing your insights on impact reporting. So on behalf of Nonprofit Pro and our friends at Pursuant, we will see you on the next episode of the Nonprofit Chatter. Have a great day. 